We'll read again from the Gospel according to St. Mark. That last verse, Mark 1, 45. After Jesus had told the healed leper to say nothing to any man, we read, But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in a desert place, and they came to him from every quarter. This account reminds me of when I was a boy about maybe nine or ten years old. I went with my older brother Gary, two years older, uh, to what was then called Ridgeway Market, a country market, perhaps two miles from uh, where we lived. We walked up there, and in those days, it was fashionable to collect baseball cards. We had hundreds of baseball cards. But that day, we went into the market and went out with a couple of packs of baseball cards without having paid for them. That's called stealing. Well, I was excited about it. Um, I went back home, and I told my one of my brothers, younger brother Dale, two years younger than me, uh, what we had done. It was quite adventurous. Well, he was more noble than we were. He told my mom. And uh, mom sent us back to the store to pay for the baseball cards we had stolen. Well, I learned one lesson that perhaps my parents never intended to teach us, uh, and that is it's a lot more fun to make a mess than it is to clean it up. But uh, that was restitution. That, uh, and I was just the sidekick, not to absolve myself of responsibility, but uh, my brother Gary primarily did the sealing and he primarily did the fixing. But either way, um, we learned that the, there's consequences to sin. And restitution is not, is not fun. It's good for younger people to remember that. Well, it's good for all of us to remember that. If um, we understand in advance that we need to repair uh, the damage we create, we are much less prone to create the damage. But um, that was a lesson uh, there. Gary had told me not to tell. Well, I, I couldn't help it. It was exciting. I told it. This this leper, on a more profound level, had just experienced uh, divine healing. He was in Luke, uh, we're told, full of leprosy. So apparently, within and without, he was uh, afflicted with this disease, which required him to stay distant from all human contact. And in fact, if anyone would come near to him, he was to cry out, Unclean, unclean, stay away. We've experienced that a little bit the last couple of years when someone's wheezing and sneezing. We, uh, they may not cry out unclean, but we certainly want to stay away. And we hope they stay away from us too, by the way. But uh, here, this, this man, as he uh, saw Jesus and had already heard of what he was doing, he 
cried out to him and came near to him. And uh, you heard read that he, he knelt down to him. So he, he violated one law in that he did not stay far from him. But he, he did say to him, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. There we learn if, if God is willing, and we pray when we pray, thy will be done. If, if God is willing, and we are willing, we know that God is able to do the work that he would have done in, in our lives. So the Lord said, I, I will. Uh, be thou cleansed. And uh, more than speaking the word, Jesus reached out to him and touched this untouchable man. The Lord can bridge every gap when we uh, sense distance between ourselves and the God of heaven. We need to be introduced to Jesus, who is our intermediary and can span every gap or close every gap to bring us to where he wants us to be. And so Jesus touched him. He was healed. And his healing was instant and complete. And so the Lord told him to go to go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So the Leviticus chapter 13, in that we have the law of uncleanness from skin disorders. And if you read through Leviticus 13 and really look at it, it includes leprosy, but it includes more than that. You might find yourself as you read through it, uh, looking at your hands or your arms and wondering if I ha have a rash or uh, some uh, skin ailment that could be leprosy, you were to withdraw and uh, have it um, to prevent it from uh, spreading to another person. Well, in this case, this was more than a, just a skin disorder. Uh, this was indeed leprosy and plenty of it. So he... Um, then in Leviticus 14, we have the provisions for the offering for one who felt like they were healed of their skin disorders or uh, of leprosy, offer it for a cleansing. And one can imagine if we were in that uh, situation where we had been afflicted with a, a disorder, and especially if it was indeed leprosy and had found ourselves uh, cleansed or, or healed, we would certainly want to follow the mandate that Moses provided, lest it come back upon us. But more than fulfilling the legal requirements of the law, I dare say we would go and offer to the priest with a spirit of thanksgiving, a spirit of appreciation for what God had done for us. And so that's that's what he that he, that's what he did. We don't have the uh, that interaction took place here with this uh, formerly leprous man, but if he would have gone to the priest, which you assume he did, and had the priest known him beforehand, the priest would have inquired of him, how did this come about? What happened? And uh, that would be a testimony. That's what he says here. To, to be a testimony to the priest and to really everyone who has been aware of the fact that you had leprosy.
And his testimony, his first testimony, was that the Lord had healed him. I'm thinking back to a testimony I gave to my brother-in-law after I was saved. He was my brother-in-law then, one of my sisters. Uh, well, he, he was an older sister's first husband. And I had run around with him a little bit. He was older, older than me, but I associated myself with him before I was uh, 21 years old. And we carried on together doing uh, mischievous things. Well, we drank. Um, and he got me into places where I should not have been, 21 or not. So after I got saved, I thought, I, I, I need to tell him. Nobody had told me, don't tell anybody. Nobody will tell you that. When you pray through and get saved, first of all, you can't hide it. It will be known. But second of all, you tell it. So I went, I went to where he lived after having divorced, been part of that. So my sister was no longer in that home, and I didn't know anybody else was in that home. I went to him and walked in the door, had come home from OSU with the intent to testify to him. And I walked in the door, the first words out of his mouth is, can I get you a beer? Well, that was a, an opening for me to tell him, uh, no, I'm not, I, I don't drink anymore. Well, why not? And I told him how that I had prayed and God had saved me. And the moment I said that, his, I don't know if it was his girlfriend or his wife, but she walked out of the kitchen into the living room and said, I've heard of that before. Well, the funny thing is, Ken, my, my brother-in-law, uh, at my dad's funeral, or perhaps it was my mother's funeral in 2019, uh, came to it. It, was, it would have been my dad's. He was uh, close to my dad, well, to my mom too, but my dad uh, and him continued to bump into each other over the years. And he, he told me, he said, you know, and he, he was a logger. And loggers sometimes are referred to as, as drunken loggers. Uh, at least unsaved loggers are sometimes referred to uh, with that title. And he drank a lot. He really did. He was out Friday and Saturday nights and um, really drank a, a lot. And I suppose that's one reason why that uh, marriage um, ended up not, not lasting very long. But he told me at, at my dad's funeral afterward, he says, I've not had a drink for over 40 years. And we didn't have time in that setting to investigate further, but amazing. When you are married to someone who you think can't change, well, perhaps they can't. But if God is willing, and if that person is willing, God is able. And God delivers instantly and completely. So when this man was told, tell no man, well, he, he couldn't contain it. This was just too good. Even if Jesus had told him, don't tell anyone, Jesus' time was not yet come. He came to give his life a ransom for you and for me. But if it was published too much, then uh, 
he, his, his work would be hindered, and the Lord knew in advance this man was going to publish it abroad in, in our, our day today. Another way of saying it is he, he set social media on fire. It would have been spread all around in a, a short period of time. How could it not? This man who was leprous and had been calling out, unclean, unclean, uh, was suddenly uh, mixing with the crowds, and having fellowship with people. Well, the works of God are hard uh, to keep secret, and they're not intended to, to be kept secret. They're intended to be shared. If God has done anything for you of merit, it's worth telling. If God has not, well, he has. He, he's, he's, but he's not done. He'll, he'll give you something worth sharing. He healed many. We read in, in Mark, the third chapter, it seems to be a theme throughout the first part of these chapters, which we're covering now in Daybreak and Discovery. So that's what brings it to mind. But the great multitude were uh, followed uh, Jesus when they heard the great things that he had, did, had done, and, they, and he came, they came to him in Mark 3.10, for he had healed many and so much that they pressed upon him to touch him, as many as had plagues. And the unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Well, that didn't work out that way, did it? We, we know it didn't because Mark found out about it. Some... Uh, Suggest, scholars suggest that Mark, who wasn't there, received his account of what Jesus did from Peter, who probably was there. So Peter, if Peter was there, Peter eventually told John Mark what had happened, and John Mark told the world, including you and me. Well, you can't hide it. God's work is marvelous. God's work is powerful. You, you you hear testimonies when you come into these services in the evening times that cannot be contained because uh, God's uh, power has been uh, manifested in individual lives. We see it again in Mark 5.41 with the uh, raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. Jesus had, had come into that room where she was with, with uh, her uh, mother and father, and with uh, Peter, James, and John, after they had chewed the crowd away, here they had all gathered together and were in mourning and in grief uh, due to the passing of this young girl. And straightway we read in Mark 5.42, the damsel arose after Jesus had said to her with those just those five present, as well as the damsel, of course, a damsel, uh, I say unto thee, arise. And so she arose and walked. And we see she was 12 years old. And they were astonished with great astonishment. The dead had been raised. And he charged uh, them straightly. Think about it. The crowds gathered for a funeral, ready to bury the girl. And here she comes walking out of that room with her mom and with her dad and with the uh, three uh, apostles. 
He charged them no man should know it and commanded that something be given to her to eat. So there were witnesses to it. Though he had charged them to tell no one, they couldn't contain it. They, they spread the matter abroad as well. And then in Mark 7, we see the healing of the hearing impaired. When Jesus uh, took him aside, in this case, from the multitude again to a private place and said as he looked up to heaven, to his ears or to, to God really, um, but speaking in that manner to his ears, be opened. And they, and they were. His ears were opened, and the string of his tongue loosed, and he suddenly spake plain. And he charged, we see in Mark 7.36, them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more great, a great deal they published it. So he spake clearly, plainly. What do you think he said? He had never heard anyone speak before. And as a result, he could hardly speak himself. Well, put yourself in his position. Jesus had, had touched him, healed him. I suppose he said, praise God. Glory to God. Thanks be to God. And perhaps he repeated those phrases or different um, aspects of gratitude uh, repeatedly. God had done it. So despite the fact that he charged them that they should tell no man, they, they couldn't hold it back. And they began to uh, share it. Well, experiences with God and even dramatic experiences are hard to contain. Debbie testified a couple of weeks ago that our son and his family, along with a sixth grandson, were in a car in central Oregon driving on a, down the highway and a flatbed truck couldn't stop. It was fresh ice and snow. Uh, couldn't stop at his stop sign and so went through the stop sign into the highway and hit uh, another car which then was um, bumped into the oncoming traffic, which happened to be our son. He slammed into that car and ended up alongside the road hitting a telephone pole and a horrible wreck, really. The telephone pole ended up another one over the back of the rig they were in with the the wire across the top of their vehicle, another wire underneath their vehicle, and a transformer maybe 25 feet behind them in the snow, uh, uh, humming, and it all happened so quickly, but they all came away unharmed, including the, the young lady who was in the truck that was hit by the flatbed, and the, and the flatbed had hardly any damage at all. Um, but anyway, uh, we were, Debbie and I didn't go with them and were nearby to where we were. Uh, actually, she had to stay back, so there was room for me to shuttle the, the family in three trips back to where we were staying. And the first trip included the three younger ones, Lazarus, George, and Moses. I think, no, no, it, it, Oscar, 
because Moses stayed behind with Margot, and the, the police came, and when I made the second trip, they were sitting in the back of the police car because it was wet and snowy and all of that. But anyway, our, our six-year-old grandson, George, he, he said, I, I cannot believe that we're not even a little bit injured. He couldn't help himself. And then uh, Moses, who had later had sat back in the police car, it was exciting for him too once they all got over the screaming and hollering, getting out of that car and finding they're all safe and sound. Uh, he was excited about that and told us it's the first time I've been arrested. <laughs> and then young George, when we, when we were all back together, he got me aside and said, did they really sit in the back of a police car? He was excited about that. They went to school and they told their friends and their teachers what had happened. It was good news, this horrible wreck that they were in. Not They don't understand. Well, they kind of did understand that it could have been uh, devastating, but they shared it because it was dramatic. Debbie shared it the other night in a testimony. I'm sharing it this morning in a testimony. It's hard to contain when... God uh, does good things. It's not designed to be contained. So we can understand uh, on a much more significant level how this healed leper, well, he's not a leper anymore, how this former leper had been healed. It's not hard to uh, understand why during our testimony services we, we get up, from time to time as individuals and collectively in evangelistic services and declare repeatedly how we can hearken back to the day where God saved us. It was dramatic. It was complete. It was instantaneous. We, we walk into a church service. That was the one thing that I had never seen before when I first attended a church service in the apostolic faith. And I hadn't attended church services until I was 21 years old, hardly ever in my whole life. But during that service, in this case it was a Sunday morning service, I wonder if they did it because I, I was there and everybody knew, though I didn't know I was conspicuous, but in that small church, I guess it's quite noticeable when some stranger comes in. So they had testimony services, and I can still remember uh, three testimonies that were given that morning. One uh, young man who played basketball with that same older brother, Gary, uh, he testified. He had, he had gotten saved lately and uh, told how God had saved him. Well, I didn't know the, the lingo, so I didn't know what saved meant. But another uh, woman testified that she had been sick and prayed, and God healed her. So I, I, I came away from that meeting What shall I say? I, I just never heard such thing before in my whole life. But those were dramatic experiences that those individuals had, had um, encountered. And so they shared it. it. It's designed to be shared. God is, God is faithful. We read of other lepers in the Old Testament times in the days of Elisha. Uh, outside of uh, Samaria where there was famine. These lepers 
were blessed at this point to have to be distant from people, but they decided to themselves that they would surrender themselves to the Syrian army. That army had surrounded the Samaria within the city. It was famine at a horrible level. So they decided that if they are killed by the Syrian army people, then, oh well, they're going to die anyway of starvation. But they went to that camp and found the table set and the people gone. They began to plunder the tents and eat the food, and then they finally decided and declared to themselves, we do not well. This is a day of gladness, and we hold our peace. So as a result, they showed themselves to the people inside the Samaria and said, there's a banquet out here. And they, at the end of the day, they ended up feasting, and God had delivered them. But if we, if we contain what God has done for us, we do not well. We want to be sure that we have something worth sharing. And if we're really saved and have a living life on the victory side, and if we're not living life on the victory side, then we're not saved. Because God delivers from sin. His name is called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He will save you from sinning ever again. There's power in the, in the blood of Jesus and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that invitation of the gospel is extended one more time this morning. God will give you, we say like the leper, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. If you are willing, God, you can do it. God does the work if it is God's will. So God is willing. The question is, are you? If you find yourself in an unsafe condition, are you willing to surrender your heart and life to God? If, if you are willing, God will save you. God will wash away your sins and the stains on your life. He'll, he'll give you victory and you'll leave this place a different person than the one who came in here. God is calling this morning. Take advantage of this opportunity. We'll have a time of prayer as we sing this invitation song.